1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, your host today. And I've got a very special show for you. We had a great show yesterday on the subject of discernment versus deception and how that God wants us to be a people that are a discerning people, not a deceived people. And so we're going to be discussing deception again specifically and hopefully we'll get into, because we ran out of time, on on how to avoid uh, deception, how to better prepare yourself to not be deceived. So I appreciate you tuning in. I hope that we have calls as good as we had yesterday. It was awesome. And so I want to welcome you to call in and contribute to the program. Uh, The number is 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. And uh, you can call with your questions or positive, I hope, comments that would uh, improve the program and be a blessing to the listener. Let me go over a few announcements before we jump into the Word today and with my guest. Um, we have a, a rally to support Israel right here in Colorado Springs. It's December the 10th. Andrew Walmack will be speaking at this rally. And that will be a blessing, I promise you, brothers and sisters. I actually gave this announcement yesterday and didn't know Andrew was speaking at the rally. And so I want to make sure I get that information out. Uh, It's in Colorado Springs at the City Hall, December the 10th. The time is 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., December the 10th. Andrew will be speaking. It's at City Hall right here in Colorado Springs. Man, if you can be there, please support Israel and support Andrew and, and the things that God is doing in the church and in Israel. We also have the Heart of Christmas performance coming up December the 8th through the 10th. And before I uh, announce this any further <laughs> or talk about it, I've been to a couple of these with my grandchildren and bringing them, and it is over the top. You will be blessed, I promise you. And that's not hype. I've experienced it, my grandchildren loved it. Your children and grandchildren will love it. It's the heart of Christmas, December the 8th through the 10th. That's 8, 9, and 10. The the 8th is a Friday, and that's at 7 p.m. And you'll need to order your tickets uh, because seating is limited. Um, you can go to awmi.net and order your tickets online. But 7 p.m. on Friday, 2 p.m. on Saturday, and 3 p.m. on Sunday. And again, you need to reserve your ticket for your children and your grandchildren. And they'll not only be blessed, I promise you that you'll be blessed. We also have right here on the campus of Karis in Woodland Park, uh, the Live Nativity. Uh, That's December 15th, 16th, and 17th. December 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's at 6 p.m. to 8.30. There are no tickets required. It's right here on the campus of Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. Uh, The lights are absolutely just beautiful and gorgeous. And your children, again, and grandchildren, I promise you will be blessed with the lights and the live nativity. Uh, They'll also be uh, uh, distributing hot chocolate. I always talk about how it's worth uh, bringing the kids for the hot chocolate, but hey, forget the kids. I like the hot chocolate. You'll be blessed with the hot chocolate. Let me remind you of our website, truthandliberty.net, truthandliberty.net. And man, we have so many resources available to encourage you, inspire you, and inform you of current events. We have a news feed that is updated every 15 minutes of current events from conservative news outlets. We have vetted these outlets to a measure as much as you can, and you can trust the news. We need news. You just need informed. You know, I'm convinced if people were just informed with the truth, we would not be in the condition we're in in this country. Our churches would be flourishing, et cetera, et cetera. That is truthandliberty.net, the resource page. Also, all the programs are archived and posted, and you can go back and and watch again. And if you're watching today for the first time, or you didn't see myself and my guest yesterday, you're gonna be blessed today, and you'll wanna go back and watch the part one of discern versus deception. Discern versus deception. And uh, we're gonna jump right in this now uh, with my guest, Javan Smith. And as I said yesterday, I met him at a conference and it was an army conference and he's involved in army uh, and just doing a fantastic job with that ministry. But man, my heart leaped within me and I I, I began to reflect since yesterday, why was I just so excited? Uh, You were good, don't misunderstand me. Uh, but you ignited in me things I had been meditating on, and I'm actually preparing a, a, a series as we speak on how not to be deceived. How not to be deceived. And I'll be launching that this very weekend. And so I think that's what just ignited me. I don't hear a lot of people dive into why is there such a lack of discernment in the body of Christ? And why is there so much deception? So when I heard you, uh, it just exploded in me. So would you please welcome uh, my guest, I welcome him back, Jevan Smith. Thanks Thank for
2: coming you. back. Thank you, Pastor Duane. It's an honor to be with you again. I'm looking forward to hearing your series. That's <laughs> going to be wonderful. And as Pastor Duane said, <clears throat> I'm working with ARMY. That's the acronym. It's not Army with a Y. It's A-R-M-I. And that stands for the Association of Related Ministries International. It's Andrew Womack Ministries' Ministerial Association. Uh, It's called an association, but uh, I think of it more as a family, a network of pastors and ministers so that you can be connected with like-minded ministers. Uh, There's a, a lot of ministers that believe the way that you do and, and hold fast to the truth and, and in the middle of woke culture and increasing darkness, we are the light and we need to link arms and join forces. And if you wanna be effective, I said yesterday that uh, Andrew Womack has been saying and Pastor Dwayne has also been saying by the spirit of the Lord that the third great awakening is already underway. And in army, you'll have an opportunity to be positioned to maximize your effectiveness in this third great awakening. So you're not just on the sideline, you're not just a spectator, but you're part of what God is doing in the body of Christ, because this is our time to arise Amen. and shine. This is our hour. This is our Amen. greatest hour. Don't, don't, don't think, oh man, I wish that I wasn't in this time. I wish I'd lived in simpler times. You hear that a lot. What does that even mean, simpler <laughs> yeah. times? Not me. <laughs> this I is like, our time. I like electricity and running water for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but this is our time. This is the time that the church, uh, this is our finest hour. I I believe we have a significant advantage because we've got light while the rest of the world is in darkness. Uh, I I said yesterday in the program that we're the Goshen dwellers who have light while everyone else is in darkness. So we've got an advantage. Uh, But I also said yesterday as we led into our topic, as a segue into our topic, if we allow deception in, well then our light has become darkness. And Jesus said, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so one of the greatest warnings you find throughout the New Testament epistles, Paul, uh, towards the end of his ministry throughout, uh, the more his ministry progressed, the more he warned about pervasive deception that would grow worse and worse. Uh, I want to lead with the verse where we started yesterday. I'm going to read this verse again. I can't reteach yesterday's message. If you didn't hear yesterday's program, just as Pastor Duane said, I'd encourage you to go back and watch uh, what we talked about yesterday. But this verse is important to address, 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. The Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, "'But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse.'" Notice, it's getting progressively worse. It's not gonna get better. (laughs) This proliferation of deception, not only in the world, it doesn't surprise me for the world to be deceived, but it's, the, the biggest danger is for deception to creep into the church and for us to allow deception in. And so this is what Paul's warning Timothy about. And, and he talks in other parts of the epistles to Timothy. I'll just re- reference very quickly here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 3, Paul writes, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And then verse five, Paul says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so we've got to be watchful, uh, but you have to understand that there are people, they're looking for teachings and, and messages that will confirm what they want to believe. Yeah, right. They're looking for messages that, that tell them what they're already wanting to hear. They're not interested in truth. They have these itching ears that something that's going to tell them what they're wanting to hear. And that's what's making people susceptible to this type of deception. Even in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'll just read a little bit of this, but 1 Timothy chapter 4 starting in verse 1, Paul says, Now the Spirit expressly, which means explicitly, says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Well, to depart from the faith, <laughs> you had to first have embraced the faith. You can't depart from something where you were not there to begin with, right? So I, I, I didn't depart from, I, I departed from my house because I woke up in my house, right? right? So these are people that they had at one time embraced the faith and they're departing from it. And Paul says that the reason that's happening is because they're giving heed, First Timothy 4, 1, giving heed to deceiving spirits, and doctrines of demons. And so uh, there are things being taught even from pulpits that is absolute deception, people giving heed to doctrines of demons. And so uh, what I've warned against is not just the deception from the outside, not from external sources, because that's going to continue. We, I, it, we expect the world uh, to, to grow worse and, 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 and grow in deception. And we're not blindsided by the deception of the world. We're more blindsided, I believe, by the deception that comes from within the church. And Paul also said in Acts 20, and I don't want to harp on this too much, but it's important. Paul harped on it. I may as well. (laughs) So, Acts chapter 20, and in verse 28, Paul says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves. Notice these words take heed. The responsibility is on us. I mentioned yesterday, I won't read them, I read them yesterday, but I'll just reference them quickly, that in Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus said, take heed that you're not deceived. Even Moses said in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived. And I made the point yesterday that God would not give an instruction like that if you weren't able to, to do it. So you can guard and safeguard, uh, guard against deception. And so that's what we're talking about. And Paul says here in verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then Paul says in verse 29, for I know this. He's not saying that this is something that could happen. He says, I know this is coming. He says, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. Men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves." And so there are perverse things being spoken even from the pulpit, agreeing with the lies of the world.
1: Yeah, let me jump in on that real quick because this needs clarified. One of the reasons I enjoy this format is we're dealing with politics and the deception within politics, and we'll also deal with current events and the deception. And while I agree with Jovan 100% about the, the deception from within, a lot of people think when I'm addressing cultural issues or current events, I'm trying to, to, to convince these people of their darkness in the world. No, I'm warning the church of the darkness of the world. If you can't discern the darkness of the world, you allow it to creep into the church. And that's what's happened. We see people preaching from podiums. Yep doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Where did they come from? They didn't originate always. Now, sometimes they can originate from within the church, but what happens is the church gets spoiled. It gets affected by the darkness of the world, listening to it, entertaining it, thinking that, well, that sounds good, like what we talked about yesterday, that that sounds good. Well, it's the voice of the dragon out of Revelation 13, 11. Uh, anyone who's a disciple picks up on it instantly that that might sound warm and fuzzy, but that's evil. And if you don't discern it in the world, now listen, this is important. If we don't discern the darkness in the world, understanding they may continue in it is fine and we expect them and many of them too, but if we don't discern the darkness in the world, we allow it to creep into the church and to begin to form doctrines within the church that ensnare God's people. It's one thing again, for someone in the world to be ensnared, it's another thing for born again, spirit filled people to be ensnared, and the devil cannot ensnare us except with lies, right? With deceptions. So I'm I'm not I'm not trying to argue with the world, argue with the culture, uh, say I'm more moral than the culture. None of these things that people stuck on stupid uh, <laughs> uh, uh, claim. Are true that yes, I want to reach and 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 Javan wants to reach people that are in darkness to come out of the darkness into the light. Yep. But we talk about the darkness to prepare God's people better not to eat the stew. That's back Amen. to Jacob. There's a point where you can't, as a believer, partake of the darkness. Well, if you don't know what is dark and what is light, how do you know you're not partaking even right now? So when I'm bringing up darkness. Uh, I'm helping prepare the church not to partake of that darkness, to discern this may sound good, feel good, look good, may energize your flesh, the lust of your eye, the pride of your life, but it's the devil. And that's why this is so important. So continue from there because I wanted to clarify that with the audience.
2: Absolutely. No, I'm glad you clarified it because it's true. And really the point I want to make is that uh, the reason that would creep into the church is of the church subtly agreeing with the world, getting yeah. to the point where they're calling good evil and evil good and things of that nature. And so, I absolutely agree with you. And and you bring up the point about accepting the goods and and swallowing the lies, like we talked about on yesterday's program. You said about Jacob taking uh, Isaac taking the stew from Jacob, and that kind of leads us to where we didn't get to go yesterday about oh, the Gibeonites. So that's a,
1: that's right. we
2: can we can move over to Joshua chapter nine, and there's a story.
1: Well let, let me I don't. I hate to interrupt no, but I'm okay. to set the set the table for you. Absolutely. Uh, what we're doing in sharing these stories is not storytelling. We 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 are showing you how how Satan works yep. through biblical truth so that you can be better equipped that wait a minute in my business dealings I need to learn these principles that Joshua failed in, not to, to put Joshua down, but to help me not be deceived. Not to put Isaac down, who, who bit the lie, mm-hmm. who took the deception and ate the stew, but you to learn as a businessman, a, as a father and a, and a mother. We have, to, we have to protect our children from all of this deception. Well, these are stories that help give you the patterns of deception, uh, the similarities to deception. And so as he reads this, when I was in the conference, you know, I could just see the outline of the pattern again, clear. And so I wanted to set that up. So now jump in there, brother.
2: That's an excellent way to set the table because it's true. The reason we're even going through this is because the scripture says, don't be ignorant of the devil's Devices. And so, as we go through uh, this, this story of how a group of people called the Gibeonites deceived uh, the children of Israel under the leadership of Joshua, you're going to see the devil's devices. This is how the devil works to bring deception. So, what, what happened, just to give a little bit of context here, is that the children of Israel, when they crossed the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, Uh, The Lord had given them an instruction, wipe out all the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, all of those ites, and wipe them out entirely, and then take possession of the land. And so the Gibeonites were there, they were inhabitants close uh, to, they were there in the land of Canaan, and they decided that they would deceive the children of Israel to make them think that they were from some faraway place, so that the children of Israel would not kill them. And they they wanted to deceive the children of Israel to have to make a covenant with them because they knew the reputation of the children of Israel. They knew if Israel made a covenant with anyone, they would honor that covenant. They wouldn't break that covenant. And so the objective of the Gibeonites is it was to deceive the children of Israel, to make them think that they lived in some faraway land, so that Israel would make a covenant of peace that they would not be able to break and they wouldn't be able to kill them. And so that's the the broad context here. And so in Joshua chapter nine. As he's
1: looking it up here, uh, deception for self-preservation
2: is still not good. (laughs) Amen. That's right. So Joshua chapter nine and in verse three, it says, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they worked craftily, and went and pretended to be ambassadors. I'm in verse 4. They pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins torn and mended and old patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. So first they, they took false evidence. Uh, one of the things the enemy does through deception is try to present false evidence to build his case. There's, an, uh, there's a, I guess they call it acrostic I'm not usually an acrostic guy because they don't translate to other languages. And I like things to be able to translate to other languages. This only works in the English language. But this is a good one. I don't remember who came up with it, but fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And that's what the enemy does. He's a master at falsifying evidence. So they came and brought this false evidence. And verse 6 says, they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we've come from a far country now, therefore, make a covenant with us." Now, imagine complete strangers approaching the children of Israel, Said, we have come from a faraway land. Make a covenant with us. My wife is from Mexico. We had a long distance relationship for six and a half years. <laughs> I was in Atlanta, Georgia. She was in Guadalajara in, in Mexico. And the first time I met her, when my, my, I met her in person, my parents, and I can't tell the whole story. I love telling the story, but not, today's not the day for it. But <laughs> when, we, when we showed up, uh, in Mexico, imagine if I had said to her, I'm from a faraway land. Will you marry me? <laughs> Will you enter into covenant with me? Right when I met her, that would be outrageous. Yeah. Well, that's essentially what these people are doing complete yeah. strangers. We're from a faraway yeah. land. Make a covenant with us. And so then, verse 7 then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Well, perhaps you dwell among us. How can we make a covenant with you? Because the point was, God had already said, anyone that dwells nearby, you have to wipe them out. So verse 8, but they said to Joshua, we're your servants. And finally Joshua asked them the obvious question. Joshua said, who are you and where do you come from? Now he said, who are you and where'd you come from? They completely ignored that first question, who are you? And they just answered the second one. They didn't even really answer it. They just said from a, verse 9, they said, from a very far country, your servants have come, far away land. So far away, it won't even fit on your maps. It's just a long way away. They didn't even say the name of the place. They just said, we're from a a faraway land. said, because of the name of the Lord your God, for we've heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all he did to the two kings of the Amorites. Let me move on. Verse 11, therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, take provisions with you for the journey. Go meet them and say to them, we're your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Once again, as I said on yesterday's program, They're trying to pressure Israel into making a covenant before Israel asks any more questions. Before Joshua tries to investigate further and ask more questions, they're trying to pressure him. Go ahead and make a covenant with us quick before you can change your mind. And so, anytime, this is deception will work in this manner. The enemy will try to push you into this uh, pressured situation of making pressured decisions. And so this is what's happening here. Make a covenant with us. And then in verse 12, they show, they said, this bread of ours, we took hot. This is verse 12. This bread we took hot from our provisions, from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look at it. It's dry and moldy. In verse 13, these wineskins, which we filled, were new and see they're torn. These garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. This doesn't, this isn't even rational. They're showing Israel, said, see, see this bread we brought from home? Look at it. It was hot when we left. <laughs> it was fresh, and now it's dry and moldy. And look at our wineskins. If Israel had been thinking rationally, they would have said, well, why didn't you eat the bread? Right. Right? When you left the house, you had hot, fresh bread. Why didn't you eat it? Yeah. Why did you keep it to let it grow moldy so you, you could show us how far away you live? This isn't even logical. Deception is irrational and illog- it's not logical whatsoever. Amen.
1: And that's so true, I don't want to inter- interrupt your flow, but when you think about all of the deception in our culture today, <clears throat> it doesn't make any God sense or common sense. It's irrational what we're doing to children uh, in this transgender confusion and movement. It, it is dangerous, the things that are coming out today, and they violate common sense again, logic, and yet many in the church are buying into right. these deceptions, and we've got to get better prepared to not enter into to deception because it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to get worse and worse in the world, but it, it's not to get worse and worse in the church. Right. Go ahead.
2: And this is what buying into the deception looks like. So first in verse 12, they said, look at this bread. We brought it from home. It was hot when we left, and now it's dry and moldy. Again, well, why didn't you eat the bread if it was hot when you left? And then verse 13, look at our wineskins, which we filled. See, they were new, but now they're torn. And so they're saying, look at our, our bread, look at our wine. Well, look at what happens in verse 14. This is buying into the deception. Just like yesterday's program we talked about when Isaac took the stew from Jacob. Something happens when you accept the goods, okay? This is what they did in verse 14. Now, verse 14 reveals the problem two problems, really. Verse 14 says, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Amen. They took the provisions. Now, you want to talk about irrational and illogical? Think about this for a minute. They took the provisions. What did the provisions consist of? Dry and moldy bread and poor quality wine. Who, who accepts that? I mean, if I came to you and said, Hey, I, I've brought, I come bearing gifts. Dry and moldy bread and <laughs> bad quality wine. Would you, would you, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, you, might have, that might have got me in trouble. <laughs> uh, did the seven-second delay work for us? <laughs> <get> Two-dollar wine. <laughs> <how are> they? <laughs> so they say, hey, take our provisions, and the children of Israel took it. I mean, the provisions that the world, the church is taking from the world, is basically old, nasty bread, moldy. And, and poor quality wine. If we really thought of what we were doing, we're taking bad provisions and we're not seeking counsel of the Lord. Now, then Joshua went on and made a covenant of peace with, with them, didn't ask uh, counsel of the Lord, and they had to honor that covenant, and they found out later they'd been deceived. But there's one point before we go to break, I wanna make this one point, and I want you to think about what they used specifically because there's a little bit of symbolism here. The, the, the Gibeonites used... Moldy bread and, and poor quality wine, but it was bread and wine, okay? Bread and wine always symbolizes throughout the Old Testament. Together, it symbolizes the body and blood of the Lord, but this is a perversion. This is molded bread and poor quality wine. Did you know that Apostle Paul said that there would be those that would preach a different gospel and a different Jesus? And he was concerned for the church that they might well put up with it. Second Corinthians 11, verse 4, It says this is the Apostle Paul writing he says for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached or if you receive a different spirit which you've not received or a different gospel which you've not accepted you may well put up with it a different Jesus you say well what's a different Jesus it's a perversion of truth it's not the true Jesus it's it's the Jesus who's woke in a sense he he accepts every every lifestyle it's okay however you want to live that's that's molded bread and poor quality wine. It's not the real gospel, it's a perversion. And many churches are sadly buying into yes. it and taking the lies of the world, as Pastor Duane said, accepting the lies of the world.
1: Yeah, we're 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 talking about a counterfeit. Yeah. All deception is a counterfeit of the truth. Remember, anti Christ isn't just, well, I'm against Christ. No, it's a, it's a false Christ. right? It's a, it's a fake Christ. It's mm-hmm. an imitation of Christ and it leads to death. Well, we'll be taking your calls here again real soon and we'll be back in 90 seconds. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have
3: big plans to make a big impact. If you wanna be a part of turning our nation back to God, I wanna invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and liberty and become a member today
4: with practical government you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective wisdom and experience it's not available anywhere else in the world we're going to teach a christian heritage of our american government they're going to learn about the founding fathers
2: we're teaching the constitution how government operates practical skills and field study no
4: matter where you're coming from The world needs you.
3: Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it.
4: To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, and I have my, my new friend uh, Javan Smith with me. And we're discussing uh, deception and how deception works and, and how to get discernment even on deception. <laughs> that, that may sound like a paradox, but we need better discernment and able to discern that is deception. And God has been so faithful to outline in Scripture the process of, of deception, the, the, if you will, elements involved in deception, and how that we can better take heed and not, not be deceived. Well, we'd love to hear from you and welcome your phone calls. The number is 719-619-2341. 719, area code 719-619-2341. And uh, we'd love to, love to hear from you and take your calls. Uh, there's so much that we need to cover, but we wanna answer questions as they come in and we'll keep going back to some of this teaching to help better equip you to, to discern even, even deception and not enter into it. Let's go to our phones. This is Ellie and Julie from Florida and I appreciate you calling Ellie and Julie. Uh, what is your question, please? Did I miss you? There you are. I got you now, Ellie. Yes, ma'am.
4: Okay. We watch you all the time.
1: Well, thank you.
4: On TV. TV. Appreciate that. I feel like, you know, we're we're Christians. We receive um, uh, the Lord as our Savior. We stay close um, to the Lord. We pray all the time. We read the Bible. We study Scripture. We watch all the sermons on TV. Um, And we've been uh, afflicted with, For the last 13 years, um, unfortunately, stalkers that are on drugs and we are getting help. It's just been a very hard, long process because they have sabotaged every aspect of our lives. We can't work because they ruin uh, the hire process because they call in and pretend there's somebody else so we don't get the job, we go to the doctor, and we find out the doctor is not really a doctor, um, and his helpers aren't l- legit. Uh, I mean, it, the list goes on and on.
1: Yeah, that so, sounds terrible.
4: He's close. Yeah, it is, and we're getting help. It's just been a long Good. hard uh,
1: let me, let me Let me encourage you before we go to your question, because uh, you segwayed into something that I think many listeners need to know about. Uh, especially in, in facing obstacles like this. Uh, here at AWMI, we have, I believe, one of the best prayer uh, ministries in the world. And uh, it is just amazing. And so I wanna encourage you to call and, and get some agreement in prayer, especially for, for Ellie and Julie. But many of you are watching that you need prayer and it's difficult sometimes to find people that know how to pray, what to pray. Uh, and how to pray effectively. And so let me give that out real quick and then I wanna go to your question again, Ellie. Our prayer line is 719-635-1111. And we have prayer partners available and standing by 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call in at any time and get prayer. And these people have been trained to know how to pray the prayer of faith, or whatever kind of prayer you need, pray it in faith. And so I just wanna encourage you with that, first of all, Ellie, but what is your question specifically for, for uh, Javayan and myself?
4: Are we doing something? Are we lacking something? Or we just we're in the pit? We know it's gonna we're going to be coming out soon of the pit, uh, but is there anything we can do? Or yeah. Just request more people to pray for us. Can you hear me? Yeah.
1: Yes, I can hear you. Very good.
4: I'm uh, really familiar with Andrew Andrew Womack and his ministry. I've been watching him for the last 20 years. And, excellent. Um, I have. We have called in. We have. Uh, called in for prayer requests, but Good. sometimes some of these people uh, don't understand the, um, what we're asking for prayer, or they don't understand, um, you know, the evilness of it. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely, that can happen. But just just to answer your question directly, I'll I'll jump in first, and Javon can can follow up. But I mean, there's always things we need to be doing and learning to to improve in even walking in our victory. And so to answer the question uh, specifically on is there anything else we can be doing, there's always something else we can be doing to, to improve, to grow, to mature, and to overcome. And so I don't know what those things would be. That's where a good church comes in and good discipling comes in and, and people understanding the situation you're facing because it it does take a degree of understanding sometimes to pray the right way to get the right results. Uh, And so I I think that that could help, but make sure you do what you know and don't get discouraged because of what you don't know. Always do what you know, trust the Lord. It sounds like you're doing that. I hear hope, I hear faith uh, that you're going to be coming out of this, but I'll let Jovan jump in.
2: Yeah. If you don't know how to pray as you ought, it says that we have the Holy Spirit, right, in Romans 8:26, uh, who makes intercession for us. And I would encourage you, pray in the Spirit if you don't know exactly what to pray about what you're dealing with. Uh, but when you say, is there something we're lacking or where are we lacking, I would just challenge you and encourage you, don't become introspective to, to try to figure out what you should be doing different or, or what am I not doing enough of or what am I doing too much of. If you were having to conquer in a situation, then yes, the burden would be on you to try to figure out what can I do more of, what should I do less of, uh, but you're more than a conqueror. You're receiving, thanks be to God, who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You keep your eyes on the conqueror and the one who fought the battle for you. And, and, and then don't think that opposition means you're doing something wrong necessarily. I, I, people a lot of times think, man, this opposition must be an indicator that I'm doing something wrong. Uh, but opposition could mean that those are the giants, and you're in the right promised land, and you just got to trust the Lord that you're gonna, you're gonna, conquer, and you're well. He's the conqueror, but I mean you're going to possess your land, and uh, take your victory.
1: Thank you so much, Ellie, for calling. I appreciate it. I hope that I hope that helps. Well, let's let's go a little further, even with what Ellie uh, and Julie were were calling in on, in the sense of. Of how do we how do we better prepare ourselves uh, to avoid entering into temptation and the things that that Javan has already come o- gone over uh, are powerful but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to elaborate a little bit mm-hmm. before we go back to the phone lines uh, obviously uh, you have to to take responsibility take heed to yourselves right uh, so one of the if you will, protections that God has given us, and admonitions, is that you're responsible not to be deceived. I want that to sink in. You're responsible, because I hear people all the time, well, that group deceived me. Uh, Well, I'm not saying the group didn't deceive you, but you have the responsibility from Jesus not to be deceived. So you need to be better equipped, not blame other people where you find deception in your life, but take personal responsibility that, hey, I messed up there. Right. I, I, ate, I ate the stew like Isaac did. I made the covenant. I mean, business people do it all the time. You, you, you make haste. Isaiah said, he that believeth maketh not haste. You certainly do not need to make haste into a, a covenant. And the New Testament teaches us not to be unequally yoked. To unbelievers, many times people are deceived. In the business community, enter into these covenants, these contracts, uh, and it it really it really messes them up. So don't make haste. Uh, that would be one. What what other just if you just plain set it in a setting like this, what other things do you recommend people people develop in order to to protect themselves uh, from deception?
2: That's an excellent question. And and at the end of the last segment, I was making the statement about people teaching a different Jesus, a different gospel. That's where I'd like to start if I could and just segue from what I was saying there into the question that you're asking because I believe that it's important for us all to have a divine revelation of who Jesus is that flesh and blood didn't impart. I made that point yesterday that Jesus said in Matthew 16 when he said, who do men say that I the son of man am? And, And then Peter, when he, after they said, well, some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. Then Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. You have to have a revelation of Jesus that didn't come from flesh and blood, because if your revelation of Jesus only came from flesh and blood, well, then you'll easily accept a different Jesus, a different gospel, a perversion. And that's what I believe when we were looking at the the Gibeonites that they came with the moldy bread and the poor quality wine. Again, the, the bread and wine typifying usually the body and blood of the Lord, but this was moldy bread and, and, and poor quality wine in, in Joshua 9. And it's, it symbolized coming with a perverted gospel, a perversion of who Jesus is and, and presenting a Jesus that's actually more in, in agreement with the world, with the world's way of thinking. And you're going to be susceptible to that if you don't have your own revelation of who Jesus is that didn't come from flesh and blood right? Because if, if flesh and blood is the one that persuaded you of who Jesus is, well, then you can just as easily be dissuaded or, or buy into a perversion. And I, I brought up the point yesterday, and it, it ties in so well to what I'm saying right now. I want to just reiterate in John 18, when Jesus stood before Pilate and Jesus, in John's account, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responded with a question. He said, are you speaking for yourself or did others tell you this concerning me? See, for you to ha- have a revelation of Jesus based on what other people say, just as Jesus said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's not good enough. And you will easily fall to a perverted gospel or a perversion of, of who Jesus is if you don't have a revelation. And so here's one of the things the Lord showed me that remember in Revelation when, when John saw Jesus revealed and he saw fire in his eyes? Well, if you look into the eyes of the sun, if you look into the eyes of Jesus and you see the fire in his eyes, you'll never fall for the strange fire. You'll never fall for the strange incense because there's plenty of strange fire. And even anointed people fall for it. Aaron's first two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they got fired. <laughs> That's not a funny joke. We should, we should edit that out later. Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's first two sons, they were anointed. They were consecrated. They had been in the presence of the Lord from afar, uh, but they were in the presence of the God of Israel, and yet they offered strange incense and, and profane fire. But if you will look at the, at the Lord, at the sun, and look into the fire in his eyes, you'll never fall for the profane fire. The Lord's not in every fire that's what Elijah discovered in first Kings 19 he's not in every wind he's not in every and, and you've got to learn to discern his voice there's people remember we said if you, if you watched yesterday's program that I've referenced it enough hopefully hopefully you'll go back and watch it now but we were talking about people who look for a feeling rather than discerning the voice. Yeah. Like Isaac uh, went by the feeling, that Jacob's arms feel like Esau's arms but not discerning the voice. Well, there's people, they're looking for some type of feeling, even in church. They're looking for the goosebump. They're looking for... And they assume that those are indicators of the, the spirit of the Lord. But think about this. In one of the earliest revelations, because Job, sequentially, Job was early in, in history, And God's revelation to Job in Job 38, uh, the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Job from a whirlwind. Well, that could have set a precedent where people would have thought, well, I guess God always speaks through winds. I guess if I wanna experience God, I should look for whirlwinds. But then you look at the revelation that God gave to Moses when when Moses uh, was at the burning bush in Exodus 3, And and God appeared in, in a flame of fire in the burning bush. Well, then maybe you would think, well, if I want to experience God, I'll look for a fire. I'll look for wind or I'll look for fire. But then everything would get flipped on its head by the time you get to 1 Kings 19, where there's a wind and a fire and an earthquake, and the Lord wasn't in any of them. He was the still small voice. And the Lord was showing, just because there's a wind doesn't mean I'm in it. Just because there's a fire doesn't mean I'm in it. And there might be ministries where the person yells, fire, fire. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not mocking. And there are some ministries that that say fire, and it's the right kind of fire. But don't just assume because there's fire or wind involved that God's involved. You're not looking for wind. You're not looking for fire. You've got to discern the spirit of the Lord. And there's ways to get to know his voice. You you can get to know the voice. We we made an emphasis yesterday of quit trying to look for the feeling, but listen for the voice. And but we didn't really talk yesterday about how to sensitize your heart to that voice. Well, I believe the key is found in 1 Samuel 3, where Samuel in his childhood was hearing the voice of the Lord for the first time, and he didn't have any he didn't have any difficulty hearing. What he had trouble with was recognizing. If you're a believer, and I'm talking specifically to believers, and, and I agree with what Pastor Duane said, but listen, the world is deceived, and I'm, I'm warning the people in the church not to fall for the world's deception. Don't, don't fall for the lies. But if you're a believer, you not only can you hear the voice of God, I want you to look me in the eyes, not only can you, you have. And you say, no, I haven't. Some of you might think you've never heard. If you're a sheep in his flock, you've heard his voice. That's right. Not only can you, but you have. The issue isn't about your ability to hear; it's about the recognition. And this is what happened to Samuel in his childhood. And I'm going to turn there, and you're going to say, "This guy loves the Old Testament." Yes, I do, and <laughs> you just have to deal with that. But First Samuel <laughs> chapter three, we Samuel's all love a child. The, the Old Testament. Amen. Yeah. Actually, that's another reason why I believe people are susceptible to, yeah. to, to to deception because they think certain parts of Scripture are just. Right. obsolete and irrelevant. We need it all.
1: We need it all. All scripture is inspired by God.
2: And all scripture. Profitable. In fact, right after right after Paul gave Timothy that warning where he said about dece- deceivers will grow worse and worse in Second Timothy 3.13, right. he then went on to say what you just said about right. all scriptures inspired. And basically saying the scripture is your key to guarding against deception. Yeah. And there's, there's actually ministers, I won't name anyone because this isn't the place to do it, but there are ministers right now who are calling parts of scripture irrelevant. Yeah. What a lie.
1: As he goes into this, he's going to go into, again, recognizing the voice of the Lord. Uh, This was a major revelation in my own walk with the Lord. Uh, I thought I too was not hearing God, but I discovered I was hearing God, but I didn't recognize the language of the Spirit. Just like if you started speaking Dora's native language, I would recognize it's Spanish, but I'd have no idea what you're saying. I had to retrain my ear to the language of the Spirit. And so he's going he's to talk about that for a moment, and I might come back uh, as well. But the Word of God, brothers and sisters, this is why we have truth and liberty. This is why we have these Bible studies. This is why God is raising up good, Word churches to make disciples. You cannot overcome deception if you don't know the Word. And we're not talking about you have to be a Bible scholar, but you have to have an overview of God's Word and be in a a, a a family and a community where there are mature leaders that know the counsel of God to help you navigate and rightly divide the Word of God. Because once you learn to to rightly divide God's Word and the power of God's Word, Uh, It'll it'll equip you to not be deceived, hallelujah. And so that's important that the Word of God and it being final authority, all of it, because it all fits, it'll explain itself, it'll define itself, and it will prepare your heart to hear that voice and discern it. This is what the Word does. It's supernatural, uh, being a disciple and continuing in God's Word and knowing the truth and the truth making you making you free. There's something about when you become a disciple of the Word, it it heightens your inner ear to hear the voice of God. That's right. And so this is really good. So go ahead, my brother.
2: Amen. I'm glad you mentioned about rightly dividing the Word of Truth because if there's a right way to divide the Word of Truth, that also means by implication yeah. that there's a wrong way.
1: And, and let me just say you got to witness with Jevan uh, sharing how you have to rightly divide the Word of God. In one passage, God's speaking out of the fire and out of the wind, mm-hmm. but then God warns us, though, of strange fire throughout the rest of the Scriptures. And, 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 and then First Kings 19 I'm not speaking in the fire and the wind. It's that still small voice. So you have to put all that together right. in order to have wisdom and now discernment, which will keep you from being
2: deceived. That's right. All right, my brother. So how do we get to know the voice? Because if, if our problem is not the hearing, but it's the recognition, how do we get to the place where we're recognizing his voice? So I, I refer to that story of Samuel when he was a child in Shiloh, And he was in the tabernacle of the Lord. And and I'm not going to read all of this, but you know the story that, uh, not all of you know it, but a lot of you watching the program probably know the story that Samuel's a child and God calls out and says, Samuel. And Samuel hears the voice of the Lord, but thinks it's Eli calling from another room and goes into him and he says, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you, go lie down again. And then a second time Samuel hears the voice call his name, Samuel. And so he goes back to Eli, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't, my son, lie down. And this happened a third time, and I think God's got a sense of humor. I think I was just gonna keep going to see how long this would happen, <laughs> Samuel. And finally, we see that Eli himself was a little bit slow here, because finally he started perceiving, this must be the Lord. So Samuel was hearing, but not recognizing. Well, why was Samuel not recognizing? I mean, you might say, well, he was a child. Well, it was more than just his age. Listen carefully here to what this says. In 1 Samuel 3:1, it says, "'Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, "'and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. "'There was no widespread revelation. "'Where there is little revelation of God's word, "'there will be little recognition of God's voice.'" Your recognition of God's voice is directly tied to and directly proportional to your revelation of God's word. And then if you go down to verse 7, Verse seven goes on to add in a parenthetical phrase, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So revelation of the word is equal to recognition of his voice. And I like to illustrate it this way. If you've gotten to know someone so well that when they send you a text, you can actually hear the tone of the voice as you read the text. Can you relate to that? Where, now, some people, you don't know them that well, and when they send you a text, you read it, and you, you think, I can't tell if they're mad. Yep. I can't tell if what they mean by this. Maybe maybe they're mad. I, I don't know. Well, if you don't know the Lord that well, that might happen when you read his text, and you're reading the Scripture, you might think, I can't tell if he's mad at me. I can't tell if if he's pleased with me. Well, if you knew his heart, you would know he's not mad at you. His wrath was satisfied at the cross, but you got to get to know him so that you can hear the tone of his voice. So when you get to know someone, that's pretty powerful, I gotta go through this quickly, but I hope that's (laughs) resonating in your heart. But you, you, you get to the point where you know someone so well that you can hear the tone of their voice as you're reading the text, you're hearing their voice in your head. And my wife, I know her, well, and when I read, I can hear the tone of love most of the time. <laughs> and Pastor Duane said I might speak her language of Spanish. I know how to speak her language of love. And I won't get <laughs> not she's my wife so but when I read her text, I know her well enough to hear the tone of her voice. I know what how she's feeling and when she writes and there's people in my life that I can do that when i read the when when I read the text, I hear their voice in my head and uh, and so one is. Peter Juan and Sharon Jay, maybe they're watching. But anyway, (laughs) I can hear their voice when I read the text. I shouldn't name names. But anyway, have you ever had that happen with someone? Well, you can get that way with the Lord. I'm about to bring this to the Word, where you are so familiar with the text that you can hear His voice in the text. How about that? You can get into the text of his word and hear his voice in the text. And the more you familiarize yourself with the heart of the text, not the letter, but the spirit, you're going to find yourself recognizing his voice. You're not going to have any trouble and you're not going to need a feeling to confirm it. See, that's why these immature Christians, they're trying to listen for the voice of the Lord and have it confirmed by a feeling. I feel like that's where Jacob went wrong because he tries to rub Esau's arm, or excuse me, Isaac's arm, to see if the feeling uh, confirmed...
1: I, Isaac rubbed Jacob's arm. Right. I don't know what I said, but... he said Jacob rubbed Isaac's arm. Oh, well... Uh, I'm just glad to hear a dyslexic ball <laughs>
2: besides me. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you clearing it up. Isaac... Maybe they rubbed each other's rubbing. arms. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's right. Isaac rubbed Jacob's arms to, to see if the feeling would confirm, one way or another, the voice, I'm gonna tell you something. You can never depend on feelings. There might be times that you feel a certain way and it's true, right, one way or another, but your feelings will lie to you more often than not. They're never dependable. And so a lot of Christians will do that. They'll try to look for a feeling. They'll pray for healing and then he, by his stripes I'm healed and now, okay, I believe it in the name of Jesus. Then you go to see if you feel a certain way to confirm what you claim to believe. So that, that is a sign of immaturity and you're making yourself susceptible to deception. When you look for feelings, yes, sir. Amen.
1: Well, that was one of the things I wanted to bring back of just what are the things and how can we how can we guard safeguard against deception is really learning Second Corinthians five seven. What does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight or senses? Uh, you can get to a point. I saw this in my own life where politicians can speak, and you just know. That is not right. Where professors on our college campuses that are that are, saying and, and teaching things that are destroying the country, you can hear it and you can know. You'll have that inner witness. Immediately, if you know the word at a basic level, you'll hear the voice of God. That is not right. And on and on, on and on we can go. We got a few minutes left in this session. So I wanna, I wanna go back to our, our phones again. Uh, is this Celeste Celestine, Celestine, I believe. Celestine, Celestine, uh, you're a partner, and I don't want to ruin that by mess messing up your name. But you're from Georgia, and correct me on your name if you will, and then we'll we'll go to your question. Thank you for calling. It's-
2: yes, sir. Thank you, sir. It's Celestine.
1: Celestine. Okay. What's your question? Well, Thank you.
2: Well, the question was: Is how talking about deception is going to have a profound impact on the 2024 election? Yes, my main thing was a comment because I believe Pastor Dwayne and Javan, you make an excellent team, and I was wondering what your chances are of continuing to speak about deception, especially prior to the upcoming election for 2024. Um, I'm believing that this talking about this will help equip the believer, will help us to know to discern between good and evil before the Absolutely. election too, biblically. And I'm just thank you both for.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for contributing to the program and 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 adding value to it. That's a wonderful statement and that's part of what Truth and Liberty is all about. As we as we share the word, as we share certain principles and and you become not just a convert, but a disciple. It affects everything. It'll affect the elections. It'll affect school board uh, members and who you vote for for school board. It'll affect how you raise your children. Uh, This is powerful, how that you have to have discernment, not only to avoid personal deception, but now making some poor choices. Uh, Isaac made a poor choice uh, in deception. Joshua made a poor, poor choice poor decision. Uh, uh, two things, uh, he alluded to it, Javan alluded to it. You don't make a, a decision in haste, mm-hmm. and you do not make it out of your emotions. Right. Your emotions are real, but they are unreliable, brothers and sisters. Right. And politics today has primarily become about, about all emotions. I don't like their personality, I don't like their tweet, I don't like uh, how, they, how they say that, mm-hmm. instead of the policies that are gonna affect you in your everyday life. And we will be, Cel- Celestine, we will be sharing on the different platforms and who stands for what and praying for discernment versus deception in these elections. Well, we're gonna have to take a a 90-second break. We'll be back for your phone calls. We encourage you to call in, 719-619-2341. That's the line you can call. We'd love to hear from you. Again, I'll be back and take your calls, and we'll try to elaborate on a few more of these points in 90 seconds.
3: Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources.
4: But Just being a part of this,
3: uh, being
1: filled with the word of God and with Army and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam.
3: Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today.
1: Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, and I have a very special guest today, Javan Smith. And as I've already stated, I met him at a conference and just fell in love with him and his wife and their love for Jesus and his word. And so we're talking about discernment. And if we had better discernment, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in in the church. And we wouldn't be in the mess we're in in our country and our homes and our businesses. We need discernment but we need to know the difference between discernment and how to get proper discernment versus deception. So we're just talking in general about deception and avoiding it, what are the safeguards? Because, I mean, I don't know about the listeners and even Jevan and I have not talked about this, but sometimes I'm amazed at the deception in the church, not in the world, you expect it, but you don't expect it to infiltrate the church. And then even in spiritual leaders, that uh, uh, just, it's profound, and so it's arrested me. That's why I enjoyed the conference and you speaking. It arrested me and my responsibility to better equip God's people to not be deceived, to take heed to themselves. And so we're talking about different things that will contribute to more discernment and less deception, and uh, we ran out, of, ran, out, ran out of time. So we're
2: gonna, we're gonna let Javan pick up where he left off, then we'll go back to the phones. So I'm gonna address very quickly, if I could, Celestine's question, and it's good to hear from you, Celestine, when I saw Celestine from Georgia, I didn't know, I, I do know her, but I wasn't sure if it was gonna be our friend Celestine, and her question, I just wanna make one point and tie, she was asking about the elections, and I wanna tie what she asked to what we talked about uh, from Joshua 9, concerning the, the Gibeonites, because I believe two of the problems that Joshua and the children of Israel, uh, when, they, when they were in dealings with the, the Gibeonites, the reason they fell prey to deception was, first of all, they were ill-informed, and then second, they did not ask counsel of the Lord. That's what the scripture says plainly in Joshua 9, that they did not, I think it's verse 15, they did not ask counsel of the Lord, but they were also ill-informed. They didn't ask enough questions of the Gibeonites. They didn't make the Gibeonites answer enough questions. Joshua said, who are you and where'd you come from? And when we read the story earlier, if you missed the first segment, you you don't know what we're talking about, but in Joshua 9, they said, uh, he asked them, who are you and, and where did you come from? And they completely disregarded and skirted that first question of who are you, and then only gave a vague answer to the question of where'd you come from? And that's something that politicians love to do. They love to skirt questions yep. and give vague answers to the questions they actually address. And we've got to hold them accountable and we've got to ask more questions and get more, uh, more answers instead of just taking their moldy bread and taking their goods and, and taking their lies and then uh, not asking counsel of the Lord. So I want to encourage you when this next election cycle comes up, you need to ask questions, be informed, and then ask counsel of the Lord and be led by peace. Absolutely.
1: And, that, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. Uh, the best turnout we get in elections is a national election, and people are still misinformed, uninformed, uh, and refuse to go to the Word before they make a decision who they're going to vote for. They're voting for personality. They're voting for ideologies right. that are secular, versus Biblical, and this can be fixed, brothers and sisters. That's why I believe we're in the beginning stages of a Great Awakening. We, we need to get back to even local government and asking those running for local offices, uh, where'd you come from? Yep. <laughs> Who are you? Yep. Meaning, what kind of person are you? Who are you? Are you a person of character? Are you a person of integrity? Do you know the Lord? Even if you don't know the Lord, do you have any character? Do you have any, any value systems, any principles? Why would we vote for people and empower people over us yep. that have a secular worldview that we know are going to prosecute, persecute, and in time, if we don't wake up, execute godly people? Yep. We don't ask questions. We vote personalities. We, we vote party yeah, party man. Talk about deception. Uh, I meet people all the time, and I love you. Some of you are watching. You you are more married to your politics and your party right. than you are to the counsel of the Lord. God's word is His counsel, by the Amen. way. Amen. Uh, and so we have to start asking people, Who are you? Where'd you come from? And quit entering these. These covenants of uh, empowering them is a form of a covenant. That's so true. Your vote is like a covenant, uh, and you're saying to these people, "I'm giving you giving you oversight of my life," and you didn't ask who they were, you don't know their background, you don't know their 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 uh, relationship with or without the Lord, and on and on we can go, uh, and uh, and things of that nature. So we need better informed, especially at a local level, and, and then and then seek God's, God's counsel. That's great Just wisdom. really good, good stuff, brother. And this is, if you want help, uh, this would be helping you. This will help you. And again, he's got material on it. I don't know if we're putting your website up or how to get your material. I'm fixing to start a, a series this weekend on how not to be deceived. And so I believe this will be a blessing, a blessing to you. Uh, a good illustration, and then we'll go back to the phones. Um, I go over the, the news feeds that we have as best I can. I, I'll just be honest with you too, I may not be the best host because I can only take so much of current events. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that bragging. I'm saying, man, my, week sometime, my faith sometimes I guess is so weak, I can only look at so much. But people don't even realize that we're empowering people that, that hate us, that are, are targeting us, that, that are against us. They're not there to serve us. Government officials are supposed to be serving us. And so in going over all the news that I can, I can take, uh, and mix my faith with it, uh, one of the conservative uh, news feeds we have is lifenews.com, lifenews.com. And if you go to the website, TruthandLiberty.net. You can go to all the articles and news feeds that we have posted there. This this was posted and reported December the sixth, two thousand twenty-three, and here's the headline: The FBI FBI still thinks pro-life Catholics are domestic terrorists. Think about that. They've attacked the Catholic Church. They've attacked people that are pro-life. That, that, that would be like attacking people in the 1800s, the 1850s, that are pro-freedom, anti-slavery. And the government itself is attacking you because you want to see people freed. You want true biblical justice. The uh, House Committee, uh, Judiciary Committee. It's over, overseen by G- Jim Jordan. He's awesome. Uh, they they acquired some documents in some subpoenas that showed, and I quote, the FBI singled out Americans, not just Catholics, singled out Americans who are pro-life, pro-family, pro-family, and support biological basis for sexual gender distinction as potential domestic terrorist. We are actually empowering people over us that believe, if you believe in, in human life and the value of human life and life in the womb, life being sacred and, and the protection of that life, if you believe that, you're considered now a domestic terrorist. If you believe there's two genders that God created us male and female. He didn't create a hundred and something genders that's being shoved down young people's throats today. And if you believe that, you're, you're, a, you're a domestic terrorist. If you believe in the nuclear family, which means uh, a husband and a wife, a male and a female, a mom and a dad. And if you believe that, you're considered a domestic terrorist. See, this is deception, brothers and sisters. And it's one way if the world wants to go down the toilet. If they want to go absolutely down the toilet, we can stand back and listen to the swirl and the gulp at the end as things in the world go down the commode. But we don't have to go with them is the point. How do we vote for people that hate us and that will persecute? will prosecute, and if they could in one day, if we don't see a great awakening, execute us. That is deception, and I'm telling you, it's in the church. Again, I'm not talking about the world. They're gonna vote totally selfish, totally from a perspective of a secular worldview and selfishness, but how are we gonna vote? How are we gonna vote? I want discernment, and I promise you, as the elections come, God's gonna send us people, and it's gonna help us get discernment and not enter into to deception.
2: What was that you said, the swirl and the gulp?
1: <laughs> well, I've been, the toilet, you could hear that the swirl a... and you could hear the gulp. And I'm telling you, when I think about what's going on in the world, I hear the swirl <laughs> and then I can hear <laughs> That
2: sounds like a book title. If you don't write it, I'm going to write it.
1: <laughs> well, let's go back to our phones and then we'll All come right. back to our guest because he's got some more things he wants to say. Hi Frank from Missouri. Thank you so much for calling. You're a regular caller, and we appreciate you, brother. Uh, what's your question?
5: The swirl and the gulp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Amen. I like. I'm glad you liked it, Frank. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna clean that one. I
5: appreciate. I appreciate the <laughs> that you guys are. Trying to cancel the cancel culture. Oh, amen. amen. Yeah, no. Amen. Well, your book, your book. Hey, you got to send me a copy of that book, man. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I got a question.
1: Which which book? The swirl in the Gulf. The swirl in the Gulf. <laughs> you really think I'm going to write it? We'll co-write huh? <laughs> it, man. We just, you know, uh, you know, y'all are y'all are inspiring me. i think that it. Might make a great book. It's a great book title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frank. Let's let's get to your question. We're we're, we're losing time. By,
5: by, by pretense or by truth, the gospel is preached, and herein I rejoice. Amen. You know. So how do you balance? Uh, Preaching the gospel, hey, uh, 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 the seed of woman, the Passover lamb, the great high priest, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of the prophet risen up among the brethren like unto me, Joshua the, the captain. You know, I, I could go, for, uh, it'd only take me about two minutes to go from Genesis to Revelation about who Jesus is. Yes. you think I might know who Jesus
1: is? Uh, I think you know who Jesus is, Frank. I, I'm, I'm not here to judge you, that's for sure. I, I hear the Lord in you. you. You love the Lord, and I appreciate that.
5: I got a question about uh, about preaching the gospel and uh hey I don't want to make this personal but I'm on a mission to raise $10,000, 5,000 for me and 5,000 for this brother Luke Bartle to be able to come to to uh Carus Bible School, and he if I can raise the money, he'll, he'll come, he's a 23-year-old kid. I'm 74 years old. I'm One month and three days older than Andrew. So, uh, you know, he's been-
1: You're old! Oh my God, you're so old, Frank. If you're older than Andrew, you're old. Amen. Look, I thank God. I better, I'm going to sink my boat. You, you may not see me again on the program, but if you hear a swirl and a gulp, that might be me being, being canceled. All right, back to what you're doing, Frank. Let me commend you. And I believe God is speaking to people throughout this country to sponsor young people to go to Karis. Uh, one of the things I'm not gonna get to, Frank, and, and, and I just regret not having enough time, no matter how much they give us, but this move on our college campuses. Just this week, we, we, had, we had the, the heads of, of some of our colleges on the Hill testifying, and, and, and they could not, Frank, they could not disavow Hamas and, and, and hate speech of, of a section of their, their students that are protesting, that are literally calling for the genocide of the Jewish people. And they were asked directly, is saying and calling and protesting for the genocide of the Jewish people, is that, is that wrong? Is that, is that speech that should be allowed? And they they literally on Capitol Hill this week defended speech to say and that We have the freedom to say, we need to exterminate every Jew on the planet. But then if someone like me comes along and tries to say things about the Bible or about the kingdom or truth as perceived by God, I will be canceled. And yet on our college campuses. And so we've gotta quit sending, brothers and sisters, listen to me. We gotta quit sending our children to places that are going to Talk them out of their faith. That's a good word. That are going to teach them to deny Jesus. You need to send your children to Karis Bible School. Amen. There needs to be an awakening of, of people like Frank. Amen. That you've ran your race, you're awesome, and now you're raising money to support a young person to get the truth in them, to get the Word of God in them, to get a moral compass established. Man, I, I'm re- I'm reaching out right now. I feel like this is the Lord that Frank, yeah. you you just stirred me up I agree. as a a example. You you've provoked me right now to love and to good works. And I, I, I want to provoke listeners. Maybe, yeah. maybe you feel like there's not much you could do. Yeah. But do you realize you could send a kid instead of instead of these these corrupt colleges, yeah. you could be you could be sending a kid for a fraction of the money to get their foundation laid, to get their biblical world perspective um, in, in, in just absolutely ingrained within them so that when they leave Karis Bible College to whatever God has for them, they have a biblical perspective. So thank you, Frank, for for doing that. And I pray others are inspired by that. And I'd like to hear some more testimonies next time I'm on, if there is a next (laughs) time. So back to your question, Frank. You made a comment that caused me to go off. Uh, What what was your question? Did I lose you, Frank?
5: No, no, I'm here. How do you balance the gospel, preaching the gospel and then... uh, Are you there?
1: Yes, sir. How do we balance the gospel? I hear you. We hear balance, you. I hear you.
5: Preaching now. the gospel and, and feeding somebody a piece of bread or whatever, you know. The, the,
1: yeah. Let me, let me jump in quick. I'll, I'll give it back to Javann. Uh We don't just preach the gospel, Frank, with, with words. We do have to preach the gospel. We have to teach yep. the gospel to all nations. That's a part of the great commission and, 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 and the gospel commission. But We are preaching the gospel by how we live our lives. When we see someone that is naked and cold, we don't just pray for them. No, the gospel says, hey, I've got two coats, I'll give you one. I've got five shirts, I'll give you two. Uh, When we see somebody hungry, we don't just pray for them or or ask the government to send them a check uh, or help them. No, we do something. We act on our faith, faith without works. It's not I'm talking about works of the law in the book of James uh, when it talks about faith without works is dead. It's talking about action. It's talking about because we love Jesus and he's changed our lives, we wanna, we wanna share this Jesus in, in action with, with, with people, uh, that they might love him as well. So mm-hmm. that's how I balance out you know, the gospel and just the preaching with the action. Uh, we love people not in word, but in deed. Amen. That's the gospel.
2: Thank you so much, Brother Frank, for calling in. And I can tell you love the Word. I can tell you love Jesus. I love what you said about going through Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation. I go all the way to the maps and (laughs) and see Jesus all the way through in two minutes. That's like that road to Emmaus where Jesus is unveiled all throughout the scriptures. And you were stirring me up with that, I'm going to tell you, the state of Missouri is blessed to have you, brother. The Lord's doing something special over there. i got really dear friends in uh, Perryville and Bonterre, and there's special things happening there. And I believe the Lord's positioned you strategically for such a time as this. And your love for the Word is a good segue into uh, one of the things that I had in my heart where we're talking about safeguards against deception. Yes. Because when Paul brought up in 2 Timothy 3, where I had read 13, he says, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving being deceived. And then he goes on into verse 14, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, verse 15, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which was able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, we already brought up that he goes on to say that all Scripture is inspired, but I want to give special attention here to verse 14 you must continue in things which you have learned. I have found that a sign of immaturity in the body of Christ tends to be always running around looking for some new revelation, trying to find something new, give me something new. And even as teachers, I I love being a teacher of the word. I believe I've been called to the office of a teacher and that's the office that God's graced me to to stand in and, and minister in. And I love it. I never feel more alive than when I'm teaching the word. But... Even as teachers, there is a temptation and almost a pressure, sometimes self-imposed, sometimes by uh, people who are trying to draw something new, that you feel like you have to have something new to bring people, some new revelation to wow people. And that type of mentality, now, I believe we'll never scrape the bottom of the barrel. There's always more to see and more to mine. But the mentality of drawing away from the basics, because we miss some of the greatest Revelation and depths of truth in the part of Scripture that we just assume we already know. And some of the basics that we overlook and neglect because after all, we already know that we want something new. And that tendency to want to look for something new all the time is actually a sign of immaturity, and it's an immature teacher who feels like you've always got to bring something new. Did you know that the apostles, when they wrote their their epistles. Did I say it right or backwards? The apostles wrote I heard someone say they thought the apostles were married to the epistles. They thought that that was (laughs) anyway, I'm wasting time now. (laughs) So the apostles, Peter at the end of his life said, I want to, he spent the last part, he said, I know I'm about to put off my tent. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, he said, I want to spend this remainder of my time reminding you of the truths that you already know, even though you know and are already established in these present truths, I'm gonna continue reminding you and I'm gonna set things in order so where you will have reminders even when I'm gone. And the apostle Paul's telling Timothy, if you read on, he says, hey, you know where you learned these things uh, from your your grandmother. In fact, early in his epistle to Timothy, he says you learned it from your grandmother and your mother. Timothy, he was listening to Paul, I'm sure, and receiving from Paul, but if I had been Timothy, I would have been thinking, Paul. I don't want you just to remind me of what grandma said. You went to the third heaven. Tell me about that. Those things that you said are not lawful to utter. Utter them to me. I want to hear the new stuff. Yeah. Right? And, and, and the apostle John, when he said, I'm not writing a new commandment. And then he went on and said, a new commandment I write. But he said, this isn't really anything new. The apostles, the, the ones that if, if anyone would have expected someone to bring something new, it would have been the apostles that walked with the Lord, or, or Paul that had the revelation he had. But he said, you need to be reminded of the truths you already know. Let me just quickly take you to Acts 17. And this is where yeah. the Apostle Paul, and I hope I'm not taking too much time. I'll no. just say this quickly. but No, not at all. The Apostle Paul, when he went to Athens, and you remember he was talking to these people that they were spiritual, <laughs> but not the right way. And that's what the world, they're seeking a lot of spiritual stuff, but but perverse, uh, De- 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 what would we say, deceptive uh, spirits that deceive and bring doctrines of demons. There are doctrines of demons. So these Athenians that Paul was going to minister to, they're looking for gods everywhere. And and Paul, this is where Paul found that altar to the unknown God. And Paul said, well, I'll tell you about the unknown God. He's the one I come to proclaim. But these people, they were as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. But listen to what they said in Acts 17, uh, or excuse me, what it said of them Acts 1721, this is a big statement in Acts 1721. It says, All the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to hear or tell, excuse me, either to tell or hear some new thing. These were people who were looking for some type of spiritual experience, not truth, just any spiritual experience, and they spent all their time looking for some new thing. I've seen a lot of believers that they're not grounded. They're carried about by every wave of doctrine, just like immature children. They're not grounded at all. And they're always looking for some new thing. Do you know how you guard against drifting? It's very easy to drift. You, you can drift by just like if you're at, you go to the beach and you get into the, into the ocean and there's these currents that, that you, you end up someplace far off from where you first started, and then you look at some point of reference on the shore, either a, a building of some sort, a hotel or a beach chair, and you realize I've drifted far from where I began. And it wasn't intentional and it was subtle, but it's because these currents, just like you're in the, if you're not grounded and anchored, well, these currents of the world will make you drift. Do you know how you guard against that drift? Because it happens uh, without your knowledge, you're unaware, just like deception is very subtle. Right? Turning up the, Pastor Duane said to me in a conversation earlier, like turning up the heat on the frogs. The way to guard against that drift and that subtlety of falling into a place of deception, Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter two makes the same point I've been making here. It says, Hebrews chapter two, verse one, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Notice it doesn't say give the earnest heed to some new revelation. Go look for the new revelation out there. Be grounded. In the truth that you've already heard, Be, remind yourself of those things, and that'll help safeguard you against deception.
1: That is so awesome, and and many of you know, I know, and I know, I know. Uh, Javan probably could testify of high-end leaders that got off into something new, and and they did not take heed to what they had heard, to what we had heard, to what the disciples taught us, and and again, the Word of God teaches us this is how you wind up deceived, is you, you're, you're, you've got these itching ears. i I got to hear something fresh and new and different. And I know of national known ministers that have neglected Jesus' own, own statements right. in regards to a devil's hell. There yeah. is a devil's hell. There is a hell, man, that you need to shun and a heaven to be won Amen. that all of us need to understand. And we're literally living in such deception and even in pulpits where people have neglected the foundational principles of Christ. And so all of us, if you wanna, if you wanna have a safeguard against deception, keep going over the things you think you know. And, and let God give you a fresh insight to what you know Amen. versus something nobody else knows. Let me just say that too. If you think you know something <laughs> no one else knows, welcome to deception. That's exactly right. Welcome to deception. Yeah. There are no new revelations. There may be new insights to these revelations, new angles, but there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. Ecclesiastes literally declares that. Man, we're running out of time. I want to take Robert's call. Robert from Florida. What a what a great call uh, and question! I think you have. Let me let you ask your question, Robert.
5: Okay, Dwayne, um, thank you. Um, but you know, I'm sitting here meditating on thank you for your service. That the greatest among you will be your servant. Yes, does that describe the people in leadership today? Does leadership call us to serve? <laughs> well,
1: let me just say, even in the church, before we before we judge the the politics of today, they are not our servants uh we 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 are absolutely being abused uh by the powers that be but the problem still lies i believe robert still at the feet of the church i'm not trying to condemn the church i love the church jesus died for the church as well and is coming back for the church but there's such an abuse of power at large within the body of christ and all authority is given for edification, Paul said, and not destruction. And those who handle authority well are servants, period. Once you, once you leave that, that if you will, role of a servant as a leader, you become abusive with power. And that's what we see of this movement in government of socialism and Marxism and communism. It's an abuse of power. It is a, a hierarchy where we're all underlings and subject to these powers that be that are abusive and corrupt. And so it's not only a problem in politics, it's a problem in many of our business communities. Uh, and It is certainly at times a problem in the church. Uh, and yet we need to reverse that. We don't need to judge those that maybe are abusive. We need to be people that serve with our authority. What do you think?
2: I believe you answered that question very well and, and adequately, and I know we're short of time. Could I just give a quick parting word? if, if It's not yes, related to no, the question, but if that's okay. Well, thank you, Robert, for calling. Thank you, we're going to have
1: to close. I'm glad I got you in. You're a blessing, brother.
2: I just feel because we're short on time, if I could just give this quick parting word because of people who claim that parts of Scripture are irrelevant. You brought up the yeah. minister that was denying hell, and he had to deny many portions of Scripture to get to his conclusion. Uh, I, I actually heard a minister do that, and then he started denying parts of Scripture and, and calling Scripture corrupt, and you can't fall into the deep end of deception without climbing this wall of denying how Scripture is inspired. But I just wanna assure you, Scripture will always be relevant. It will never lose its relevance. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse seven, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense, in the King James, he saith, but it's present tense. And he goes on to quote Psalm 95, which had been written That's many right. centuries earlier. That's right. And he says, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then he goes on down into verse 13, saying, exhort one another daily while it's called today. You say, well, you say it's called today. That today had been many centuries earlier, but the Holy Spirit is still speaking it. The writer that, that penned it died, but it still is relevant yeah. Today and it's still today, and I exhort you while it's called today, guard your heart against deception. Today, don't don't wait. Set those safeguards and be in the Word. Dive into the Word. We got to close. I know.
1: Amen. That. We're coming to the end, and uh, we're coming into some exciting times ahead in the body of Christ and in our world. And God has called you to be that salt to be that light, and in order to do that, you gotta be be able to discern what is good and not fall for what is evil. Man, God's gonna deliver us all from deception in Jesus' name. I love you, I'll see you soon. God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty Livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.